Hello, welcome to the His Presence podcast. I am Haley Pruitt, and this is episode 22. I don't know how each of you hear from God, or how often you really think about that. I've never heard an audible voice from heaven, but as I learn to pay attention and to lean into what seems like the Holy Spirit, I see and hear the Lord guiding me in two primary ways. Through an experience of knowing deep in my own spirit, and through what otherwise would be considered coincidence. Sometimes I know the Lord is speaking to me because I feel conviction or peace or reassurance in my own heart. This looks like waking up with a worship song in my head that reminds me of the truth. Or it looks like facing a difficult situation or decision and calling to mind just the right scripture for the moment. It's usually a memory of the Lord's character and love for me that helps me refocus and keep moving forward. Often, I know the Lord is speaking to me when several coincidences seem to occur in rapid succession that cannot otherwise be explained. Sometimes this looks like hearing the same word or idea from many different voices in my life. On podcasts, in chapel devos, songs on the radio, from my friends. Sometimes this looks like a major change in circumstances that seems to come out of the blue that I can see as God showing up for me. This week, I know that our merciful and faithful Father has been calling me loudly, clearly, and intentionally into rest. Psalm 23 has been mentioned twice in Harding Academy Chapel this week. It was part of the yearbook theme for the year, and it was mentioned on three different podcasts I listened to. Also, the last few weeks have been very busy and stressful, and I have lost a lot of the routine I'd previously created for myself that prioritized intentional rest. I've been overwhelmed and afraid and have heard the Lord reminding me that I need him. I needed to put all the things down and prioritize time with him. From the very beginning, God embedded into the universe a rhythm of rest. He rested himself on the seventh day, not because he was tired, but to admire his handiwork, to enjoy his creation, and to set in motion a rhythm in which he'd call us to join him. When he called his people out of Egypt, he commanded them to keep the Sabbath day by resting, literally doing no work. Sabbath is about worship through rest. We need it to keep our bodies healthy, but we also need it to keep our minds and spirits connected to the true vine who is Christ Jesus. Without him, we can do nothing. In modern America, rest is countercultural. That's part of why the shutdown of the last year has been so difficult for us. We don't know how to rest. Rather than just taking the time to allow our bodies and minds and families to rest when the pandemic shut the world down, we learned to bake bread and remodeled our homes and cleaned out closets and did anything we could possibly do to keep busy. This is not something we are very good at at all. It's hard to value rest in a culture that demands constant productivity and deems successful only those who can continue to increase their net worth year after year. Even those of us who try to prioritize rest often mistake it for binging Netflix or scrolling through social media and are frustrated when we are still just as exhausted as when we began. True rest comes not only from clearing schedules, but from clearing hearts and minds. It comes not just from refraining from work, but from filling that space with the Lord. Truly prioritizing rest is hard, 
because we've been taught that productivity is more important. We are afraid that if we let things go, we'll be seen as irresponsible. We'll miss out on something everyone else will get that we'll have wasted our time. But just as we talked last week about the conflict between the values of American culture and the kingdom of God, we've been led to believe lies about rest too. The kingdom of God is not one of scarcity. There is plenty to go around. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. He offers us more life than we can carry, more than we can understand. Psalm 23 is a well-known scripture even by those who are not particularly religious. It's easy for us to dismiss two familiar words as trite, but David's poem is famous because it's such an important reminder of the character of God and the culture of his kingdom. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hear the word of the Lord. In the first three verses, David reminds us that the Lord gives us everything we need. He provides a safe place to rest, an opportunity to renew our strength by resting in him. The restoration he brings makes us new again, as new as his mercies are each morning. In verses four and five, we're given a picture of a table prepared in the presence of our enemies. In a kingdom of scarcity, it would be foolish to sit down and eat in a camp surrounded by your enemies. We should be keeping watch, making sure that we're always prepared to defend ourselves. How much time and energy have I wasted maintaining a constant vigilance against any possible or perceived threat, believing in my own abilities? Even just preparedness or foreknowledge can trick us into believing we can handle hard things. As long as I have checked all the boxes, finished all the tasks, prepared for all contingencies. But if the last year has taught me anything, it's that I seriously have control over very little in my life. And once I finally move past the stranglehold I placed on everything, I can finally see the peace that comes from knowing I cannot make anything happen. Not really. What a comfort there is in a God whose rod and staff are there to guide me when I don't know the way. Praise God that we do not live in a kingdom of scarcity. In the kingdom of God, he protects us and gives us his peace. And we can rest and renew our strength knowing that he fights our battles for us. He defends our camp so we don't have to. And not only can we sit down in relief, but our cup overflows. If a dear friend invited you to come sit on her porch and visit, as we say in the South, and she offered you a glass of sweet tea, You wouldn't just take a sip and leave the rest. You'd relax into that rocking chair and enjoy the refreshment, and you'd feel especially free to drink the whole glass and perhaps another once she brought the pitcher outside. Why don't we do that with God? Why do we always feel as if we need to be doing something, proving ourselves, checking off something else on the list? Y'all, that is not what he has called us to. 
It may seem prudent to just grab a sip of water and return to the front lines, but he invites us into plenty. He provides enough for every one of us to live in abundance. In verse 6, David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Have you ever thought about goodness and mercy following you? Sometimes I wonder if I'm running around, scattered, chaotic, meandering, never taking the time to enjoy any of God's blessings. And he's saying, stop, turn around, let my goodness and mercy catch up with you. Too often, it seems that we already have the things we think we need to chase. Rest is true worship because it requires trust that there will still be time and energy left to accomplish what needs to get done. It asks that we believe God really has given us everything and will continue to do so. It means we have to realize that we can do nothing on our own. We rest to recharge, but also to remember. It's hard to remember who God is, what he's done, and what we really are here for if we're too overwhelmed by our own to-do lists. We have to create space on purpose. Rest has to be intentional, and it's very hard to do. But in the same way that our bodies will literally die if we don't sleep, our spirits will die without regular connection to their life source. Rest makes space in our weeks and in our hearts to reconnect with God. So what does that look like? Well, this will likely seem radical, but I'm going to challenge us all to prioritize a period of Sabbath each week. It isn't required of us in the same way as the old law, but it is important and worshipful, and we need it to remember. It doesn't have to be a whole day full of ritual and rest, though I do think there's a lot of benefit we could draw from actually setting aside a full 24-hour period. But it could just be an hour or 12 hours or 10 minutes carved out with intentionality. I believe that when we start small in devoting ourselves to the Lord, we will crave Him even more, and it will begin to get easier to make the time. The first thing about rest and Sabbath is that we should literally do no work. We can't multitask rest. We should produce nothing, either for a job that we're paid for or other tasks required of us. When I choose to rest for a day, I don't do dishes or laundry or anything at all that feels like work to me. In fact, I try to get all of that done the day before so that my mind can truly rest rather than being concerned about those tasks the whole time. Preparation is also vitally important to true rest in a Sabbath. So if we're doing no work, what are we doing? I'm going to encourage you to do what matters to you. Prioritize ways in which you see the Lord. Lean into what he created you to do. What makes you feel alive? Rest doesn't have to be literal sleep, though it certainly can be if that's what your mind and body needs. For me, it usually looks like reading or writing or cooking a meal I'll enjoy. It also looks like being with and enjoying my people, taking a walk outside, enjoying the sunshine. Sabbath practice can be difficult for those with children, I know. And I recognize that I have the luxury of choosing Sabbath only for myself. But it's good for children to learn to practice rest as well and to see it as a priority in their parents and in their homes. It's not impossible, it's just intentional. 
Maybe it's one meal a week where everyone pitches in to cook and then there's no screen time the rest of the evening. Maybe it's a walk or outdoor activity every week that your family does together where you can enjoy each other without the chaos of other activities. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Just creating space to be rather than to do is important. As David says in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives, even while we are alone and hurting or feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. Even when we're flooded with so much to do that we can't imagine how we could possibly put any of it down. Even in the middle of the story when we don't know how things will turn out. Even though there are things I want that I don't have. I grieve those things and I believe that my great God weeps with me in that loss. He invites me to live in his house and he is so very kind to me. I hope that we can go back to that table in the presence of our enemies and not see the condiments someone forgot or our least favorite vegetables or even the place settings that will remain empty. I pray that he'll give all of us eyes to see the overwhelming abundance of nourishment our Father longs to lavish upon us. He is ready. Will we sit at his table? Will we leave our bags at the door? Will we trust him to take care of us? I leave you today with the Apostle Paul's prayer for his dear friends in Ephesus, recorded for us in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or even think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.